0: Tonight we're going to be in uh, Numbers chapters uh, 13 and 14, and so I encourage you to head over there with me, Numbers 13 and 14. While you're heading that way, let me ask you a question tonight, and this this is the thrust of my message. How much do we actually love the Word of God? I want to ask it to you again. How much do we love the Word of God? Recently, Brother Marcos brought me a book uh, he had read and said, man, I think you ought to read this. It's entitled A Biblical Worldview. And after reading a large portion of this book, I'm convinced, I'm more convinced than I ever have been, that my personal growth as a believer is predicated upon my view and my love for the Word of God. I mean, again, this is not some type of earth-shattering truth that, man, hey, Chris is going to bring you some new information you didn't know already, but I'm just wanting to reinforce to us tonight and I'm wanting to challenge you from the Scriptures that God's Word matters and what He says and what He tells us and the instructions and the promises and the commands that He gives, they really do matter. Let me ask you in a different way. If, If I had the ability... To take away every Christian book, every podcast, every Facebook or Instagram verse post with a pithy comment attached to it, every You Version devotional, every YouTube video that dealt with the Bible, every devotional book, every Christian t shirt, every Christian radio program, every sermon even, and just took them all away and evaporated them. They were all gone. Would the Bible be enough? Would the Bible be enough for you? And and I hope our answer tonight is yes, of course. Man, the Word of God doesn't need anybody else's help. Doesn't need a podcast, doesn't need a Facebook post, doesn't doesn't need my help Another pastor's help. Doesn't need a Sunday school teacher's help. Man, the Word of God stands alone. It is sola scriptura. It is the scriptures and scriptures alone. But the question is, do we really believe that tonight? Do we really believe that that the Word of God is enough for our faith and not just our faith, but our life. Every choice, every decision. The Word of God speaks into that. And am I learning what it says? Do I love it enough to consult it, to regard it, to bring it into my consideration, and to let it, the Word of God and the Words of God, actually change and alter my decisions. See, Second Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen is says all scripture is given by inspiration, the very exhale of God's breath. Inspiration. Of God, not like inspiration in the sense, man, an artist was inspired to write to do this painting, or a poet was inspired to write this poem. No, no, no. I'm talking about the very breath of God moved on these writers, and it's profitable for doctrine, for for a proof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, or. You know, as we think about that, is the Word of God enough or are we always adding? And we look at what Paul told Timothy, man, doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and righteousness. Is that enough? Man, I believe it is. The Bible certainly says it is. Or are we always looking to try to add something to it? You know, we're always trying to get the Bible plus something else or the Bible plus this. Or sometimes this in place of the Bible you know the reality is that uh, this evening you know god never god never wanted man's word opinion or or some type of terse statement to circumvent or to trump or to supersede his word man his word the scripture says is forever settled in heaven Man, let's just think about that for a second. God has settled what he said to me forever. And what he says to me is efficacious for every part of my life. And as I love it and I live by it and I learn from it, my life is fostered and grown in the image of Jesus Christ. The reality is tonight how we view the Bible shapes how we view life. And that's why this is so important. The question is, how much do we love the Word of God? Man, if you love something, you're going to take part in it. If you love something, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to desire it and want it, and you're going to always go, be going to it. So if you love the Word of God, man, it's going to be a continual fountain into your life, a fountain of truth. Dr. Mulvihill, the man who wrote the book I referred to earlier, Biblical Worldview, he says this in that book, the Bible is the Word of God. It is to be, is to be received with thanksgiving. Man, can I just say to us that if we love the Word of God, then our heart is going to be thankful when we get the Word of God given to us. Whether it be reading it on our own on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Whether it be listening to our pastor on a Sunday morning message or even tonight in your living room, around your kitchen table, riding down the road, wherever you are. you're, You're wanting the Word of God to flow into your life. And are we coming to it with thanksgiving? Man, do we show up to Sunday school when our teacher's opening the scriptures? Or are we saying, man, God, we are thankful to be here today. We want to be here. We're thankful to hear from you. We, it's to be received with thanksgiving. It's to be believed as God's instructions, obeyed as God's commands, and embraced as God's promises. The Word. It's to be believed as God's instructions, obeyed as God's commands, and embraced as God's Promises. Let me ask you some questions. Where do we go in our lives to find instructions? To find help. Where do we go? The scriptures? To a friend? Right? To a blog post? To a Google search? Where do we go to find help when we need it? Uh, Let me ask you another question. What commands are we choosing to live our lives by? The commands somebody told us, man's opinion, man's thoughts? Science, which is always evolving and changing. Where am I going to base my life on? Is it the word that's forever settled in heaven or is it somewhere else? And then lastly, what promises are we holding to in this life? What are we clinging to? Is it what God has spoken into our lives? Is it his word? Now, I know you might be thinking, Chris, those are silly questions. Of course. I mean, I, I, yes, I, I'm going to the Bible. I'm, I'm listening to its commands. I'm listening to its instructions. I mean, of course, I, I, that's what I'm doing. I'm here on a Sunday night at Facebook Live or on YouTube. And I'm listening in and I'm trying to pay attention because I want God's help. Of course, that's a yes to those questions. Well, can we go to a portion of Scripture where you would think that it would be an obvious yes? Yes. I mean, just dead obvious, yes, that these people should be solely living and trusting in God's instructions and following His commands and and listening to His promises. But yet in Numbers chapters 13 and 14, that's not what happens. I mean, here's some individuals at this point in, in, in the nation of Israel. They're on the very cusp of going into the promised land. I mean, they're right there. They've left Egypt, right? These people have seen God do some amazing things. Man, we've, we've, we've had the plagues of Egypt. We've crossed the Red Sea. God's fed us. We've journeyed. We've got to the very cusp of the land that he has promised. It's been 400 years to get back to this point. And here we are. And Moses, in order to prepare to go into land, he gets together 12 leaders one from each tribe. And he said, I want you 12 men to go out and I want you to spy the land. This is number 13, okay? Verses 1 through 16 here. I'm just kind of summarizing it. I want you to go spy the land. I want you to go check it out. And look at what he says in verse 17. Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan. And said to them, get you up into this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land. Tell us how great it is. Tell us how wonderful it is. Tell us about the fruit of it. Tell us about the cities. Tell us about all that's laying on that side of the Jordan River. We are ready to go across and take it. Man, they're so close. And so guess what? That's what they do. Those 12 spies go across. And let's pick up now in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 25. And let's see what it says here in verse 25. The Bible says, And they returned from searching searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron into the congregation of the children of Israel into the wilderness of Paran, and into Kadesh and brought back word of them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land and they told and they and the, and the Bible says and they told him and said we came into the land where thou and surely it full of milk and honey and it, this is the fruit of it man they said hey it's great beautiful it's wonderful it's just what God said it would be by the way we can trust his promises can't we when he says something's going to be flowing with milk and honey, it's going to be flowing with milk and honey. When he says something's going to be good, it's going to be good. No question about it, right? But look at what happens next. Nevertheless, verse 28, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled. Man, they must have saw Jericho and said, we can't do it. Can't happen. That's too, those, those walls are too big. Again, they didn't have Joshua chapter 4 yet, right? That hadn't happened yet. They said, verse 29, The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, the Canaanites dwell by the sea and the the coast of Jordan. Man, the land's been, it's taken, it's taken. We're going to have to go and fight a bunch of battles. And I don't think we can do it. Verse 32, look at what it says. And they brought up an evil report of the land. Can you believe that? They said, God's lied to us. We can't do this. 10 out of 12, 10 out of twelve, eighty-three 83% of the spies that Moses sent came back and said, we can't do it. It's not possible. We might as well pack it up and head back to Egypt. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Here's people, here's God's people, the plagues, the Passover, the crossing of the Red Sea, the continual protection and guidance day by day to get them to this place and to this point. And they go in the land and say, hey, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's fertile, it's going to be great to grow our homes and our families and our nation again. It's everything God said it was, but we can't have it. God lied. The people are too strong and our God's too weak. Man, do you see that? What happened here? What happened? And look, it wasn't just the ten. The congregation agreed with them. So let's just say 80% or more of the nation of Israel said, God cannot give us what He said He would give us. We don't believe His words. Let's just go back to Egypt. Let's just pack. In fact, look at verse uh, chapter 14 and verse 4. And then they said one to another, Let us make a captain forget Moses right he he, he let us over here to kill us let's get us a captain together and let's let's hightail it back to Egypt and let's go be slaves again that's better than actually going over there and doing what God told us to do I can't believe that I really can't but you know what when you don't love his words, when you don't love the words of God and you don't look to it for instruction, and you don't look to it for promises and you're not following its commands, you will believe anything. You know what happened here? They let their experience, they let their experience of going into the land, their, their most recent experience, right? Not the one they had gone through, their most recent experience of going through the land. And they came back and said, I'm just going to tell you from our judgment, from our experience, God can't keep his word. How many times have you and I let our experience dictate to Scripture? As biblical Christians, as Bible-believing Christians, our, the Word of God is to dictate our experiences and to, circum- and, and to uh, transcend our experiences and to bring us above our experiences and to say, you know what, I know what, I'm, I know what I'm thinking, but I know what God has said. And what God has said is always going to trump what I'm thinking. That's not what they did here in the, in the Scriptures. They said, man, the land's too great. The walls are too big. The people are too strong. Let's just go back to Egypt. We had a better experience there than we're going to have over in the land of promise. Can I give you an alarming stat tonight? Dr. Hill, in his book, Biblical Worldview, on page 109, he quotes a life-way study that surveyed 2,000 parents. 2,000 parents. And gave them a list of choices and said, Choose all the ones that you go to for help, for parenting advice, right? So here's a list. Mark all the ones you go to to help you become the, the parent you, you think you need to be. Okay, simple question. And there's going to be multiple options, and probably, most of us are going to click multiple things. Well, guess what? 91% of parents, 91% of parents check the box, I use my experiences for parenting advice. My own experiences. Not necessarily wrong in itself, but here's what's sad. Do you know how many checked they looked to the Bible for parenting advice? 91% said my experiences. You know how many checked the Scriptures? 46%. Half, half of the ones that said, hey, I'm going to go to my experience, also said they're going to go to the Scriptures. Is it any surprise we're in a mess today? Is it any surprise our homes are hurt and broken and falling apart? Is it any surprise our marriages are struggling? Is it any surprise our churches are drying up, revivals becoming less frequent and less often? I'll tell you why. We don't love the Word of God and we don't believe it to be able to meet the needs of our lives in every area, in every way, in every place. The Word of God tonight, church, is the authority on faith and life. Every part of your life, every relationship, every responsibility, God speaks into it. Are we listening to Him? And we must be sure that our experiences are being informed daily by His truth filtered through the truth of His Word. And back in Numbers here now, in Numbers 14, we find that two men stood up and said, Wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa! God can do this. Look at verses 6 through 10. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, tore their clothes up and said, Hey, wait a minute. Don't go back to Egypt. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search, it is a good land, exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it us, the land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord. Man, Joshua and Caleb are sounding the alarm. Trust God's word. He told us it's our land. Let's believe him. Let's trust him. The Lord is with us, not with them. Fear them not. Verse 9. Verse 10, look at what it says. Look at what they did. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Let's kill them. Caleb and Joshua are trying to convince us to follow the words of God. Let's kill them. Can I say to you? When the Word of God is not your love, when people come into your life who are trying to point you to the Word of God, you'll hate them for it. You'll hate them for it. You're going to get mad at them. You're going to get angry at them. You're not going to like it because the Word of God, if you don't love it and you're not governing your life by it, and you're not living in it every day, when the Word of God's given to you, it actually makes you bitter and angry. They wanted to throw stones. And apart from God showing up in verses 11 through you know, the rest of chapter 4 there, apart from God showing up, man, they would have killed him. But God thundered down from heaven and said, I should just wipe them off. And Moses begged him, please don't do that, Lord. Now let's fast forward 40 years. Let's fast forward 40 years. So now that, that whole generation's dead. 20 years old and up, they buried him in the wilderness. They walked around for 40 years. They're back on the land, on the cusp of the land of promise again. Joshua was the leader. Moses is dead. Joshua was the leader. And that man, Jehovah is salvation, right? He's going across the Jordan River. He's going to lead the nation of Israel into the land of promise, the land of spiritual victory, a land of battles, a land of sorrows, but a land of great promise and victory. And can I ask you a question? What does God do? What does God do to put in place to keep them from repeating the rebellion in the last forty years? To keep that same issue from happening again, where somebody speaks up and convinces the people that God can't do what he said he would do. Well go to Joshua chapter one with me in your Bible. Let's see what he does. God puts a plan in place to make sure that Joshua, his heart is in tune with the Scriptures and that the people of God are in tune with the Scriptures. Look at what it says in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. He's talking to Joshua now. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And if you do that, Joshua, if you get in the Scriptures, you get in the Word, you meditate daily, you you get your heart, mind, and soul in tune with the Word of God on a daily basis, if you will do that, then your way is going to be prosperous. Not because you're great, because I'm great. Not because you know what's best, because I know what's best. And when your heart is being in tune with my words, my words will transform you daily. And then you're going to have good success. You know what God made sure? God made sure that Joshua was going to have a steady diet of his words. I I ask you again tonight, how much do you love the word of God? God. How much do you love its promises, its commands, its instructions, its reproofs, its corrections? Do you love the Word tonight? See, the spiritual and military victories that lie in front of them are going to come to them based upon their willingness to be courageous and obey what God said. Man, God's told us a lot. Are we being courageous tonight? Are we stepping out on him? Let me ask you a few questions in closing and I'm done. Number one, how much time do you spend in a given day searching, studying, and learning God's word? Three minutes, five minutes, six minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? Zero minutes? See, how you answer that question is a pretty good indication of how, of the type of disciple you're going to be. In fact, when Jesus, he told him, he said, listen, you've come to me, you believed on me, but here's the deal. You are my disciples if you continue in my word. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples. Did you hear that? He said in John 17, 17, that he's going to sanctify you through his truth. His word is true. The Bible, the scriptures, that's where God wants me to be. How much time do we spend? How much time do you spend? Now, let me ask you a second question here. How often do you read God's Word aloud to your kids and or your spouse? Hey, husband, hey, dad, spiritual leader, spiritual priest of your home, are you opening the bread daily? Man, I'm t- that's convicting to me. And it's easy to, man, to say, well, I'm busy, you know, it's late, it's bedtime, it's this. And then, look, I'm guilty. I get it. But we got to get back on, we got to get our feet planted again on the Word of God is supreme and its words matter and we're going to park our family down and we're going to calm our family down and we are going to open the Scriptures. And don't say, well, my kids are 17, they're 12 now, they're 15 now. No, no, no. Your kids need the Word of God more when they're teenagers than they did when they were four. Man, at four, they could use a couple of minutes. It's time for them to open the Word of God along with you and read the Scriptures. And pray and say, God, speak to us. Hey, grandparents, let me ask you a question. What time have you had with the grandkids recently around His Word? Well, that's mom and dad's job, baloney. It's your job. I don't believe that for a second. God has given you the wonderful privilege to be a grandparent. And He has also given you the awesome responsibility to transfer your faith to your children's children. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? What discussions have you had recently with the generation that's coming up about their faith, about your faith, about their life, about your life, where, what, what, what discussion have we had that bring us in connection with God's word. Let me just show you quickly about my, my wife's dad, uh, Joy's daddy, Pastor Raymond of a Beacon Baptist church, every, every, at the birth of our children, all three of them. The first thing Joy's daddy did at the birth of all three of our kids, he took, when we, when the baby was handed to him, right, you know, COVID's kind of messed this up now, but the baby was handed to him. He took those babies in his arms. You know what he did? He whispered to them the gospel, the gospel, Hey, you're a sinner. You're apart from God. But I want you to know something. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He paid for your sins. And if you'll believe on him, he'll receive you. Man, what an awesome legacy that he could whisper to his children's children. The goodness of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he brings to every heart. Man, I'm telling you, grandparents, we got to have you. I'm speaking to you as a dad of three young kids. I need the help of my parents and my wife's parents to raise my kids for Jesus. I don't need them just to be a glorified babysitter. And that's nice at times. Don't get me wrong. That's nice at times. But what I really want to know is that are they seeing Jesus when they're with grandparents? I ask you the question and I'm done. How much do you love the Word of God? Because if you love it, you'll talk about it all the time. you talk about it all the time. Dr. Hill says this, the only food that will sustain and nourish our soul is the Word of God. Let us not read the Bible as duty, but as delight. Man, that's convicting, isn't it? Let us not read the Bible as, remember, I'm talking about love. As duty, not delight. I'm sorry, as, yeah, as duty, but as delight. I'm talking about love tonight. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about thrilling your soul. I'm not talking about something, well, I got to go do it. I just got to go read the Bible. No, I'm talking about, man, I get to open the words from Almighty God to speak into my soul. That ought to get us pumped up and excited. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 2, and I'm done. The Bible says, "But his delight, the, the man who's not walking in the way of sinners, the man who's not sitting in the seat of scornful, the man who's not, who's not doing these things, his delight," the Bible says in verse two, His thrill. Like a roller coaster ride, man. It's a thrill ride to get in the word. Then I mean, you, you ever read a roller coaster you went ching 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 up the chain? Of course, they probably don't make noises anymore. They've probably come a long way since I wrote them, but you understand what I'm saying. You're going up the hill and all of a sudden, boom, stomach's down, down your ankles. Riders rode up to your neck one way or the other. And man, you're, you're off. Your hands are up. You're screaming. You're going nuts. You're, you're on the Man, it's one curve after another, one loop after another. You're riding a thrill ride. That's what this book is. It's the only word he's given to us. Do you love it? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, does he meditate day and night? Do you love it? Because if you love this, you love him. What did he say? If you love me, keep my commandments. You can't keep what you don't know. Lord, tonight I pray that you'd help us to have a love for your word. I pray you bring a revival of love for the scriptures, that we'd be the people of Berea here at Faith Church, that we'd be mighty in the scriptures, not mighty in man's opinion, not mighty in a bunch of cool events and activities, but God, you would so cleanse and purify us as a church, a local body, that the scriptures would light us on fire. And that's what would thrill our souls. Help moms and dads just like me in this church. Help us to get back to the Word of God. Reading it, studying it, talking about it, centering our lives on it, sitting our kids down and going over it. Help husbands and wives to open the Word together. Lord, to, to get in the Word. Help grandparents to realize, man, they've got an awesome responsibility, an awesome privilege that you've given them to whisper and to tell of the, the, the sweetness of Jesus to their children's children. Help them not to waste it. God, help us to love your Word tonight.